So for the past several years, approximately 50% of our new members are former Catholics. And another large percentage come from other traditions other than the UCC or Congregationalism. And so we always tell our new members, as you heard Rich reference this morning, we don't expect you to leave behind the best of what you've learned, and we'll share the best of what we have with you. And together, we'll learn and grow in our faith. And so I thought it especially appropriate on this new member Sunday to share a scripture passage from um, the Apocrypha, which is actually typically not in our Protestant Bibles. Um, some of our uh, Bibles contain the Apocrypha, but the one in the pews actually does not. And the Apocrypha is translated as hidden books. But those books of scripture are included in the Catholic and Eastern Orthodox Bibles. In fact, the passage that I'm about to read is part of the lectionary readings that will be heard all over the world in Catholic churches today. So in the spirit of welcoming, the best of a variety of faith traditions. Receive now this reading from the book of Sirach. If you choose, you can keep the commandments, and to act faithfully is a matter of choice. He has placed before you fire and water. Stretch out your hand for whichever you choose. Before each person are life and death, and whichever one chooses will be given. For the wisdom, for great is the wisdom of the Lord. He is mighty in power and sees everything. His eyes are on those who fear him, and he knows every human action. He has not commanded anyone to be ungodly, and he has not given anyone permission to sin. Will you pray with me? O oh God, may the meditations of all of our hearts and minds and our very souls be pleasing unto you this day and forevermore. Amen. <clears throat> so we're going to play some trivia this morning. Everybody ready? <clears throat> How many of you remember Paul Simon's song, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover? <laughs> all right, now the trivia part. What are those 50 ways to leave your lover? <laughs> yes. Slip out the backjack. Slip out the backjack. Make a new plan, Stan. Don't need to be coy, Roy. <laughs> Say it again. Get, yep. All right. Did we get them all? <laughs> Flip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. Don't need to be coy, Roy. Just set yourself free. Free. Hop on the bus, Gus. Just drop off the key and get yourself free. Well done. Well done. I knew having the band here would help today. So what made me think of this song was how your clergy and staff have actually come to think about first steps. Because, of course, there are approximately 50 weeks or Sundays a year that we teach first steps. And it's become kind of a running theme, almost a running joke to ask ourselves every way, every week, okay, what new way can we teach the children this week that God is love, that God loves them, and that just like God, they are to love one another. So I'd like to challenge the band publicly to see if somewhere along the line they'll write a song, 50 Ways to Teach God Loves You. 
All right. What did you say? Challenge accepted. <gasps> Challenge accepted. I love that because then we'll be set for life. Well, at least for a year on how to teach first steps. So thank you in advance. And given that God's love really is our main message to our children, and we hope to you as well, the story that I'm about to share with you actually broke my heart. Miss Hope and I recently attended one of our silent retreats that we often go to, and at the end of the day, we always gather back and share what our experiences or revelations have been from the day. Well, one of the women at our table shared that she grew up in a relatively conservative church and is actually now on staff there along with her husband and is raising her four young children there as well. And with real pain in her voice, she shared that she was actually feeling conflicted and guilty because what she wanted to teach her children was the primary message that they are beloved children of God and not the primary message that her church, that she had been taught as a child, that we are all born sinners. And because of our sin, Jesus had to die to save us. Well, she still believed that Jesus had to die to save us, and she was longing, though, to teach her children first and foremost about a loving God, and not the God, not the God that she grew up with that made her feel bad, that made her feel guilty so much of the time. And her church had taught this fairly rigid set of beliefs to the point that she was even afraid to question or re-examine her beliefs and teach her children that first and foremost, God loved them. Well, author and nun, Sister Joan Chisiter, defines religion like this. Religion is not a topic, not a course, not simply a single body of beliefs. It is a process. It is a process of becoming. Well, the major error, she goes on to write, is where religion is concerned is the assumption that having one dimension a strict body of beliefs that we have it all. And if a person does not share this dimension with everyone else, they have no religion at all. Well, those judgments can be fatal, both for ourselves as well as for the effect of such ideas on others. And I love that she describes religion as a process, a process of becoming. Well, in Syrac, whose author was a great teacher of wisdom, we're told that we can choose to keep the commandments, that to act faithfully is actually a matter of choice. Well, part of our becoming will be grounded in the choices that we make. We can choose fire, we hear, or we can choose water. And perhaps our choices, of course, will depend on the circumstance. If I'm thirsty or hot, I'll be reaching out for water. If I'm cold or in need of light in the darkness, I can choose fire. We're even told we can choose life or we can choose death. And I interpret choosing life as choosing to look for the light in a darkened world or to choose death is to give up hope and live in despair. God has given us free will and every choice impacts who we are becoming. Well, consider how our choices are informed if we begin with the foundation of hearing and believing those precious words. You are my child, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And once we know deep down in our very souls how abundantly we are loved, we can continue in our faith journey to study and learn more, to reflect on Christ's teachings, to practice our faith, 
to embrace wisdom and make choices that are enlightened by God. As one author suggests, if we don't attempt to follow Christ's teachings, something else will encircle our freedom and determine our choices. And so we need our attention and more, our affection, to be captured by the one who longs for our transformation and wholeness, who will meet us right where we are and only wants the best for us. While we hope, of course, that your choice to come to church contributes to your process of becoming, you have chosen to set aside a precious hour to spend time worshiping and learning. You're here after what was probably a busy week. So how was your week? Were you battered by demands or stressful situations, pain or worry? Did you arrive feeling even a bit out of balance? Well, we hope that coming to worship God helps you take a deep breath and return you back to balance and your true self, which is in the image and likeness of God. And after re-entering yourself, re-centering yourself in the image of love can help you choose wisely. While God grants us free will, this ability to choose, God wants to be invited into our decision-making. Wisdom and discernment are so closely related in the Bible, and wisdom has its source in discernment. For instance, we can read the Bible and gain knowledge, but that knowledge only leads to wisdom when discernment is present. In James chapter 1, it is said this way, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Put simply, seek knowledge and pray for wisdom and understanding. Well, when your clergy go to seminary, we spend three years reading and studying, trying to become as knowledgeable as possible. We may even graduate with the highest of honors, but to become an ordained minister, we have spent two years in discernment, two years praying for God's guidance, two years praying to make the choice that God really wants us to make, two years listening for the movement of the Spirit to call us into ordained ministry, or not. The practice of discernment is not just for clergy, though. It is for all of us. Why not invite God into all of your decision-making? Making choices can be hard and scary, and so God invites you to not do so in isolation. Well, sometimes I think it would have made life a lot simpler had God never created free will, because making those decisions can be difficult. Adam and Eve may have actually felt the same. But in Proverbs, another book of wisdom literature, we hear, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Choice is real, and choice is free. But why do it alone when God is just waiting for you to ask for help? Well, if Joan Chisitor is correct, and religion really is about the process of our becoming, I know for one, I'll be a better person with God by my side, rather than being left to my own devices. And while God sometimes whispers wisdom into my ear, God often speaks through the wise people around me. It is most often in the Lectio Divina group, or the Thursday morning women's book group, or the Thursday evening women in Seek, Pray, Love, 
or honestly, the sweet things that our children share during first steps when I hear God speaking. I just need to be attentive to hear the message. So what a gift that we are becoming who we are truly meant to be, surrounded and supported by this marvelous community of faith. What a blessing it is that we welcome new members from such a variety of traditions as we all share the best that we have to offer. But I find myself praying for that mom that I met on the silent retreat. I pray that she can come to know that first and foremost, she and her children are beloved by God and we are saved by that loving grace. And she has that choice to teach her children that. I pray that she discovers that our faith is really about continuing grace and becoming more and more who God calls us to be. Maybe you'll keep her and her family in your prayers this week as well. And if the band truly does take me up on my offer to write that song, 50 Ways to Teach God's Love, maybe I'll send that along too. May it be so. So Ray is... Will you rise in body or in spirit? We're going to sing a hymn that we don't typically sing, um, but it's lovely. And so Ray's going to do a little teaching as we learn this new hymn. We have a privilege to unite. 